This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. From West Palm Beach. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at the brand new Hilton Palm Jumeirah, a five-star hotel with 10 amazing dining concepts and the Euphoria Spa. Helen Farmer with you. We are talking health and a lot of us usually know our blood group, but how many of us know our metabolic type? Just like our character and personality, our metabolism apparently also has individual characteristics and knowing your metabolic IQ can benefit your health and life, according to our next guest. If you've got any questions or want to find out a little bit more about this, by all means, reach out. 4001 is the SMS. You can use your ARN Play app and, of course, the WhatsApp too. Angie Pajak is with us, the author of A Metabolic IQ, Your Code to Health. Angie, how are you? Hi, how are you, Helen? Good afternoon, everyone. I find this a really interesting topic because when I think about metabolism, I just think about fast and slow. I have friends that moan about having a slow metabolism, they can't shift weight. And then I've equally had friends who talked about having a very, very fast metabolism and can't gain the weight. But it sounds a bit more complex than this. What is a metabolic IQ? So metabolic IQ is uh, our inborn pattern. We have to remember it's not a diet. Uh, it, it's a kind of uh, pattern we born uh, with. So through the metabolic type, uh, we have different way of burning sugar in our organism. So we need, uh, all of us, we need protein, fat and carbs, but in different proportion. And then uh, basically, if we follow our metabolic type, uh, our body is functioning uh, properly, so we digest everything and we turn it into energy. Uh, if we go against our type, uh, we start to hustle, uh, especially the uh, protein type uh, has uh, big issues to lose weight and uh, keep fit. So tell us about the different types. So they have names as such, Angie? Yeah, I divided uh, them to three different uh, main types. So we have uh, protein type, we have carb type and we have mix. Mix, I usually call it Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because uh, depending on uh, which products uh, this type it's more or what's the lifestyle, uh, you never know if you speak with carb or protein. <laughs> um, I'm really curious about how you measure this. Can you talk us through how that, how that type is established? Uh, yeah, so basically there are 48 questions. We created uh, uh, them based on uh, 15 years of research and checking people uh, and answering the, these questions are uh, made in a way that the logarithm is able to uh, assess us to, to a certain metabolic time. Type uh, even uh, Vogue uh, wrote once I published my first book that uh, the test uh, gives uh, best res better results than the DNA test that you can do for three thousand dollars. So if we answer correctly and we don't lie in the questions, because first of all we do it <laughs> for ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, we get the correct answer. And the very important thing is that there is no bad or good type. That's interesting. It's really about, as you say, being who you are and then having to make adjustments in order to best, you know, suit suit your body. Here's a question for you, Angie, though. This is obviously a, a real area of expertise. Do you think you can look at someone and with 
a degree of accuracy predict what metabolic type they would be? Yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite <laughs> game. Imagine I was sitting in a in a book fair and uh, people were passing by and there was a couple. The guy was protein and the girl was carb and he was like standing in front of me and looking and he was like, oh, what is that? Uh, for sure, it doesn't work. So I told him like ten characteristic about him and her, and he was like, "Okay, give me that book." <laughs> what? Well, let's let's talk characteristics then. Can you and let's start with then that protein type. What would be a characteristic of someone who would fall into that category? Protein type is very friendly and uh, cheerful person. Uh, very easy outgoing. Uh, usually those people get mad very quickly, but in five minutes they are again your friend. Uh, and they are the ones who uh, most likely gain weight if they um, eat too much carbs, uh, if they go for a vegan diet. Uh, so they are the ones to suffer and uh, usually we find them eating salad and becoming even bigger and heavier and their life become miserable. If we refer it to like um, public people, let's say, mm -hmm. J-Lo is a... Uh, a protein uh, fit type and if you want to uh, compare to a carb it's let's say uh, the wife of George Clooney just to <laughs> I'm give out. a simple yeah I, I, I'm embarrassed I know that but that, that's what that's what's that's my that's what's taking up space in my brain at the minute um so let's talk about the carbohydrate type you mentioned you could reel off 10 characteristics of this gentleman at the, the book fair what about the carbohydrates uh, they are usually perfect people who want to keep control over everything. Uh, usually they are super uh, fit and skinny with uh, even though eating a lot of sugar. Uh, so visibly they do not have uh, uh, like pro health problems. You can see like they are not uh, struggling with weight or things like this. Uh, but then it uh, affects the nervical system, for example. They usually don't eat after five or six. Uh, they don't like to eat fat, even though they need uh, a little bit to make their brain function. Um, and they, they are very competitive. They want to win. Uh, if they don't, they deeply uh, digest this uh, situation. Wow. And then you've got your, your mixed, which I mixed. presume is a bit more complicated to explain. But and for anyone listening today, they're like, I'm not, it doesn't, I don't sound like a protein, I don't sound like a carbohydrate. What would be the, 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 the signs to look out for in a mixed metabolic type? Mixed is the, the most uh, easygoing type, which actually if, uh, if it, uh, this person doesn't uh, exaggerate uh, on, on uh, any site, uh, you don't have problems, so you basically can mix uh, food and you feel good. Uh, it doesn't matter for you if you ate five, six different uh, bites of food uh, all together and you feel still uh, okay. Uh, you have uh, easy conversation with both uh, of types, so you can deal with uh, carb and protein easily. No one makes you actually nervous. Mm -hmm. uh, they have very high level of patience, uh, which uh, is absolutely not uh, related to protein type. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm curious, Angie. I'm, I think we follow me on social media and we're obviously chatting now. What would you predict that I would be? 
As I mentioned in the first email, uh, you are definitely protein in my opinion. And your husband is uh, carb or mixed carb. <laughs> Let us know what you think you would be on 4001. You've got your ARN Play app. Do you know what? I'm happy to be compared to JLo. Give me, I'd be JLo over Amal any day of the week. Talking us through your metabolic IQ is the author of The Code to Your Health. Angie Pajak is with us talking about protein types, carbohydrate types, and mixed types too. And you mentioned veganism earlier, and our friend Dan from Carney Store said, veganism suits nobody. <laughs> do we know about it suiting particular types? As a lot of people do move towards plant-based or even flexitarian um, dining. What do we know, Angie? Yeah, the the most uh, compatible type with uh, uh, veganism is uh, definitely carp. Uh, because this is the type which um, can live uh, with uh, most of veggies and carbs without protein and fat. Definitely it's not a, a diet or lifestyle for a protein type and uh, it can really cause uh, serious problems, uh, especially with uh, heartbeat. Uh, maybe it sounds uh, weird, but uh, gut is directly connected with the heart. And protein uh, type usually are people who have very low blood pr pressure. Mm -hmm. So if we switch to uh, veganism, it uh, directly affects uh, our um, blood system and the work of heart, which may be very dangerous. And opposite, the carb type, for example, can uh, have a serious issue uh, going to paleo diet. Oh, really? Paleo? Okay. Um, and what about the order that you eat things in? You know, does, does that come into effect in terms of throughout the day or even within the same, within the same meal? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, basically, uh, let's take a protein type if you want to eat... Uh, uh, dessert or some sweets you should do it uh, before your main meal <laughs> go uh, backwards love it <laughs> because if not you will uh, the sugar will uh, affect what you've been eating afterwards and uh, mix for example uh, if uh, mix type ate uh, too much uh, heavy meat or something definitely after the meal should eat something sweet even a dry fruit uh, to digest uh, easily what uh, what was eaten before Angie, thank you so much. Really eye-opening to hear about this area of research. We've had a couple of people asking uh, where to find the questions, where to have this tested. Um, what's the best way of finding out a little bit more about the work that you do, if this is kind of resonating with any listeners this afternoon? Uh, you can go to website metaboliciq.com and you will find there both tests and you will find there as well my ebook. Uh, which is describing um, all the types and how does it work basically and of course in just on the website you will find a lot of information related to types. Well I know what I'm doing during the news and I'll report back if I am indeed just like JLo and a protein type. Andrew Project, <laughs> thank you so so much really do appreciate your time. From West Palm Beach This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8 Live at the brand new Hilton Palm Jumeirah a five star hotel with 10 amazing dining concepts and the Euphoria Spa. We're talking education and the education of your children 
It's probably one of the most important roles as a parent. It means taking the time to evaluate, learn about different approaches, learn about your child. And understanding the different curriculum choices here in the UAE is one of the most confusing things for many parents, especially when you're new to the region. British, American, French, Indian, IB. Um, many of us have come from a country where there was no choice. And now we find ourselves influenced by friends, by Facebook groups, by all sorts of different things. So what are the differences and what advice can be given to parents looking to choose the right learning path for their child? We are bringing in the experts this afternoon. Laura Wojcicki is the Partner Media Director Education UAE and Tracy Moxley, the Principal at Citizen School, newly opened with a very different approach and one that I'm really keen to learn a little bit more about. If you do have any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch. I'd love to hear if you've moved your child between curricula. If you are looking for a bit of guidance, please do reach out on 4001. You can use your ARN play app and of course the whatsapp too both thank you for being here how are you thank you thanks for having me yeah thank laura, you very much great to be here laura can you explain a little bit about the work you do at education uae what's their what's the aim of uh, of that platform and the so offering? we provide an unbiased platform um for parents um you know there's so much choice here and i think that um you know exactly what we're talking about today it's finding it doesn't matter if you've got 40 schools one school it's about finding how that your child's going to be happy mm -hmm. so we provide a platform that parents can hopefully find out about all the schools the opportunities for educational institutes right from the decisions you make from kindergarten how that will then affect your child in future education all the way through as i said tracy it's it's overwhelming and i think every parent you speak to most most parents will really advocate for what they've chosen because here there's a cost element as well and what you're really sure. saying is I've made the decision I'm parting with X number of thousand dirhams a year and I want to feel good about that decision and this is where I think so many parents get confused and I've lost count of the number of Facebook posts I've seen from people going we're moving to Dubai we've just moved to Dubai you know what do you think of these schools and every parent will go oh we'll go for this one because that's the one that I'm parting money for you've worked across a number of different curricula but before we get to those can you explain a little bit about citizen as I said it's newly open it's got a very different philosophy to what we used to in Dubai in the best possible way I think yeah I think now um Citizens is really coming into its own in terms of the educational philosophy that we offer. We are trying to really shift the kind of educational landscape here in Dubai. I'm very lucky in Dubai to have a myriad of choices. So I understand why parents can be confused because there are so much choice and so many different curricula. Um, at Citizens, we are really focused on changing the relationships between mentors and learners, so not teachers and students but actually having that more facilitation of learning. Mm -hmm. So high student agency, getting students to take responsibility and accountability for their own learning and providing them with the structures um, in, for them to be able to do that. With an eye on the future because the world's changed and we live in a world now with the metaverse. Um, we live in a number of worlds, not just the real world, but the virtual world as well. So that's where we are at Citizens, trying to look at the future, robotics, coding, digital literacy, growth mindset, well-being as a core for the students and work with both our students and our parents in a partnership because that's the best way forward. It can, I think that's a really good point, that partnership, because I feel like we often lose sight of the fact that teachers, mentors and parents are on the same side. And sometimes it can feel like there's a bit of a battle going on there. And when you have the child at the centre, that's 
hopefully where you know a, a happy secure child is going to learn the best you know every parent including myself the first thing I want for my child because they spend so long at school is for them to be happy mm -hmm. if you have happy children and they enjoy going to school and they enjoy being in that environment uh, they'll learn they will. Um, and I think that's the key uh, I just heard from a friend this morning about a painful drop-off and it's it's sometimes it's no reflection on the school or curriculum or anything like that sometimes it's to do with child or, but it sets the tone for everybody's day and it's it's so so upsetting and when it's a good start you've got happy smiling children going in that whole the whole family dynamic i think is affected in the best possible way laura i'm sure you've heard from lots of parents who are in this situation of i don't know how, i don't know what to do i don't know how to get out is it okay to make a change how what have you heard from the community around that yeah i mean dubai is such a transient community and one of the big questions is um you know looking into children's future my child's future where can these curriculum choices how will that affect them in the future now the big question we get asked is it important at early years or does it matter in secondary um so these are the type of questions parents ask us and moving into the uae um, we've had our child in an American school, we've heard this, so we hope that we can kind of educate people to, and like you've said, at the end of the day, it's where that child's feeling secure and happy and they're going to perform, you know. I, I always think it comes back to doing those tours, meeting the people, having that sense of Absolutely. connection and location and what is the vibe like. Because I've been to school tours and I'm like, this, this is a beautiful facility, but the children are robots. Or this is, you know, this is the... the, the standards is just absolutely amazing but it's got no heart you know it and mm. someone else could have a completely different experience because it's got to be that sense of connection um well i want to come to the text line because i've had a lot of messages on this one saying my son moved from american to british to indian and um, curriculum and finally the last six years ib needless to say in ib he has enjoyed and excelled right tracy can you break us down a little bit about <laughs> curricula you've got a, a, you've got a serious mind map in front of you on this T talk well, us through in simple terms to, to be really honest um there's been a real focus on the early years in the UAE of late and early childhood is really significant and important and I think um, now we know that uh, play-based learning with some formal academics really mark that age and stage for every curricula mm -hmm. so in terms of you know bringing your child into American or UK or IB you will find that play-based flows type learning where there's lots of sensory stimulation, there's lots of play and activities with some formal academics, some child development areas. Um, in terms of UK, um, American, IB um, and Indian to be, to be honest, the, the same kind of age and stage happens in every curriculum so there are actual outcomes for age groups within our different curricula that are pretty much the same in every one mm -hmm. so parents don't need to worry too much about that but i do because I, I, because I grew up in a uk system and yeah. i'm like well so obviously my children do gcse's and a levels and i get here and i go but maybe ib would be better suited what are some of the questions we can be asking ourselves to think you know what could be the right fit 
So that's exactly right. So one of the questions that you are looking to ask is what's the right fit, not just for you as a parent, because obviously the educational landscape has changed. And, you know, when we were at school, it was a very different um, environment and very different experience. Now we're looking at, well, so what are the educational environments that we're looking for for our children? And for us, obviously, as citizens, we're looking for the child to be a real uh, active participant in that learning process. Different schools offer different opportunities. Some schools are very academic, they can be the British curriculum, the IB curriculum, um, the American curriculum, they're all academic curriculum. Um, CBSE and Indian curriculum, very academic. It's how the school does that. So what kind of environment is the child going into? Are there opportunities for children to find their passion and their purpose so that they suddenly will say to you, I know, I know where I want to be and you see that change and it's I think it's the responsibility of every school no matter what curriculum they're offering to help every child to find their passion and that's when the lights go on and we know that you know there's a there's a wonderful learning journey ahead. To the text line joining us on the show this afternoon we're, we're talking education and we're broadcasting as you might be able to hear not in the studio but out and about we're at the Hilton uh, Dubai Palm Jumeirah. Laura Wojcicki is with us from Education UAE and just hearing there from Tracy Moxley from principal from Citizen School. I'm Helen Farmer. This is Dubai I 103.8 and we are looking at yours, your text messages and lots on this because it is a really emotive topic. It really is. Um, Ravi asking, um, do universities recognise um, citizens? It's a great question when we think about going through to secondary. Yeah, I mean, the curriculum that we will offer will be recognised by universities just as the IB is recognised, just as A-level, GCSE and a myriad of the APs and uh, American High School Diploma. So all of those curricula are very well regulated in the UAE mm-hmm. and we ensure that our students can follow any pathway really that they would like to pursue. And no name here sharing a message um, saying my son was in an IB curriculum since KG1, just moved to Britain unfortunately left it too late as we've moved first year of GCSE just felt IB was not right for him as he got older he needed structure and accountability that we we felt IB wasn't giving him too fluid and loose British schools that are not typically British but integrating concepts a la IB are a great happy medium between IB and the British and this is the thing it's like finding finding that that fit I mean when it comes to I guess some of the most popular posts on on uh, your website Laura you know where are people resonating what's what's uh, what are people researching right now I think the question is what are the options out there mm. I mean again here we've got British IB American and Indian as the main curriculums but then we're living in somewhere where there's there's something for everybody Australian French Italian German Swiss Japanese it's endless um, one of the questions I just wanted to ask if it's okay and Tracy might be sure. able would you agree with the term that it's the assessment that's different um, you know like you've mentioned the same is it the assessment in these different curriculums yep assessment can be different and is different um, within those uh, curricula um, obviously it's a co- normally a combination of coursework so students are able to excel if they're good at coursework mm. and examination or there is a high school diploma where there's internal assessment as in US but then you can take APs and have you know recognized external assessment SAT and ACT so it, it depends on what you're taking but generally with much of the curriculum here the most popular it's a combination of examination and uh, coursework 
it's such an interesting topic. I really would love to get you both back on to explore a little bit further. We have run out of time today, but um, judging by the number of messages that we've had on us, it's to be like we do need to be delving a little bit further. Messages from Viv saying, as newcomers to Dubai, we didn't have the luxury of choice of school. I've got three kids in three different schools. We had to take what we could get. I find here that schools discriminate freely um, and uh, prefer to split up siblings, except only the perfect ones, not the right school. I think that sounds really upsetting for everybody. Um, and presently IB is regarded as the most preferred by universities, allowing the student to waive many courses um, across university, allowing them to graduate earlier. Um, and comment here about schools being, being overpriced. So we will, of course, be revisiting this big emotional topic today. So thank you for all your questions on it. And thank you to our fantastic guests here in our very gorgeous five-star studio, Laura from Education UAE and Tracy, Principal at Sisson School. Both thank you very, very much indeed. From West Palm Beach. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at the brand new Hilton Palm Jumeirah, a five-star hotel. With 10 amazing dining concepts and the Euphoria Spa. Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer. We're talking health this afternoon, and we were honoured yesterday to be in conversation with Jonathan Leonard, a man who had a breast cancer diagnosis himself, and continuing that conversation today that breast cancer has no gender with three experts joining us live at the Hilton, uh, talking about an integrative approach to breast cancer treatment this afternoon. Dr. Stossier is the founder of Viva Mayo and the modern Mayo Medicine. We've got Live Well and Well of Eight Life founder, um, Irina Sharma, who studied under to him and graduated with a diploma in nutrition, health coach and lifestyle coach as well. Seven years ago, she herself was diagnosed with breast cancer and Dr. Stossier was her and remains her main doctor. And also joined by Max Farden. He himself had a heart attack at 17, breast cancer in his early 20s. Today works in fashion and is a really powerful advocate for breast cancer awareness in men and women. Um, Max, can I ask you how you are today? You're looking, looking great, but how are you feeling? Oh, thank you. Hi, first of all, thank you so much for inviting. I'm perfect. Thank you so much. And if we're talking about uh, breast cancer, about the men, yes, people are not expected from the men. How it's possible? It is possible sometimes. It's just you have to sometimes you have to go to and check, do checkups because mm-hmm. it's not the first time. It's not uh, feel, you don't feel any pain, anything. And when they recognize it was stage two. I was 24 already. Yeah, but I don't want to tell my family. So that's why I moved to Dubai. So last 10 wow. years I was living in Dubai. But before surgery, for, uh, they, they give me four to six year life. That's why I, I, don't, I don't tell my family. That's, I said like, okay, if something happened with me, I want to make sure my kids, my family will be okay after me. Because I'm the only worker that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I came to Dubai and everything started changing. And I become Mr. Dubai 2019-2021. I become face of United Startup Emirates. And I, I get, I wanted to leave. Really? Yeah, I wanted to change something. Not only work for my family, I wanted to feel it, this life. So that's why I started working on myself. And I understand if you will gonna be someone important for yourself, you can work on it. It sounds like you're living a really authentic life now, like yeah. really like yeah. in line with your values and, and what you're all about. And I do wonder if you going through what you went through has, has perhaps played a big part in that. Yeah, I, I did it in the stage four, in the last stage, my surgery. And uh, finally, I'm here after so many years. I didn't die. Mm. And it's possible. It's life. And Just 
And I think it's, it's, we were talking a lot yesterday about shame attached to men getting breast cancer diagnosis, a sense of emasculation and how unfortunately men who might discover a lump or notice some abnormality might postpone going to the doctor and well, you know, cancer loves a bit of time so you know that that early detection is just so so crucial we, we've heard it time and time again and with I hope it hasn't lost its meaning because that is I think the biggest message right now yeah you're right a lot of people are they don't recognize they can have a breast cancer and uh, men's mankind they are shy I don't know why they are getting shy when it's possible just go to do checkups it's it's okay mm -hmm. Yes, first of all, actually, actually me also, I'm, I, I was shy. I was a really shy person. And I don't want to tell my family. Four years, I didn't tell anybody. Four years. Uh, after four years before surgery, I told my wife. Uh, of course, she cried, but she accepted. And then I understand, come on, everything is okay. First of all, you have to tell yourself, I'm okay. And that's I, a hard I conversation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I have to work on it. So well, I'm glad you're not shy anymore and talking about it on the radio, yeah, Max. Yeah. Max Farden's <laughs> with us this afternoon. He is a breast cancer survivor. We're talking about integrative ways of treating breast cancer. Um, and if you do have any questions, please don't get in touch. We're, we're delighted to also have with us um, Irina Sharma, who studied under Dr. Harold Dossier. Now, Irina, you chose complementary medicine and some alternative protocols mm -hmm. after your own diagnosis. Can you explain a little bit about why you took that decision and, and what that actually looked like? What were you, what were you doing? Seven years ago, um, Helen, when, when I was diagnosed, um, it was a no-brainer for me because it's all about faith, right? Um, this is something I have been, I believed in ever since I was a child. Uh, being an Indian, it comes natural too. You know, our mothers just open that cupboard, the turmeric comes out and <laughs> all those things. You know, honestly, <laughs> the, it, it goes to the turmeric, but you won't believe it. I was, I was doing infusions, turmeric and, you know, the curcumin uh, inf infusions as one of my protocols. Um, so it, you just kind of go back to your, your, um, you know, um, your youth, back your, to your, what you know. your roots, and um, and how can nature go wrong? It's a question I always ask. So you know, the solutions all in nature. Um, Sixteen years ago, when I met Dr. Stasier at Viva Meyer, you know, it was it was all logic. So when when we were kids. You're just told what to do. You don't question it, right? And then there's no logic. It's just your mom says so. That's it. So who said it? My mom said it. My grandparents. So it's true. Yeah. And then the, it's exactly. And that's it. You just keep doing it. And then the logic came to it. The common sense came to it. The simplicity came to it. It's all the simple values, I think, that I lost over time because of work and all the pressure and all, mm -hmm. which came back. So it was a no-brainer when I tell people there was no fear attached, there was no problem, it was just a decision. So once you make that decision, Helen, how does it become tough? It doesn't. Dr. Harold Dossier joining us as well. I understand um, things are very busy um, at the clinics at the moment. I think an awful lot of people are stressed and burnt out and for anyone that's not familiar with some of your methodology as you say lots of logic there lots of gut health um, communication and integration but when it comes to treating cancers can you explain where some of your philosophies and research have really come into play in working alongside traditional medicine as well uh, that's right yes first of all uh, thanks to be here again it's a pleasure and thanks for inviting me and uh, i support this uh, live well really in a great uh, matter because I think to live well is not only a slogan it's it is for us 
um, to follow this strategy and especially in cancer when we are talking now about cancer has no gender it's absolutely right especially you think females they have breast cancer yes but it also has taken I don't know how many decades to give preventative methods to females now it is the right time to give prevention to male mm -hmm. but there's a huge difference there is a gender difference males are um, not so in preventative methods than females females have more awareness about their health men have to be strong yeah they should not be touched before they really feel some pain and uh, we know that preventative uh, medicine is the most important to find the cancer as soon as possible and it can everybody can get cancer that's important to know not only breast cancer but it's not a diagnosis to die it's a, I would say a cry to change your life and uh, to change the life the lifestyle has a lot to do with natural things with eating habits with lifestyle with reducing the stress changing the written mm -hmm. the cancer is always a loss of written and we have so many things in our lives where we lose our rhythm from the daily routine, the weekly routine, the monthly, the yearly routine. And also to implement fasting as a strategy is important for cancer. We have, especially if you look in this wonderful environment of uh, Dubai, ele electromagnetic fields are always around us and for sure they have an influence on our health. And it doesn't say that everybody has to get cancer, but there are so many other things. But mm -hmm. cancer, yes, this is one of the results of the changing lifestyle and we are losing the contact to the nature. We've had a number of messages on this and after the news we are going to be talking about some very actionable ways of treating and preventing breast cancer with our panel here this afternoon. And I keep on coming back to my dad who was diagnosed with cancer when he was in his late 60s. And my dad is a very traditional Northern English man. And... He started doing so much research, started looking at, you know, eating to beat cancer and he was buying the turmeric and he was eating the raw cauliflower and he was eating the raw garlic and I remember him saying to my mum, I think I might just eat to beat cancer. And she was like, well, if you could have the chemo as well, <laughs> we can do, we can, we, we, you know, we can do both, Dave, you know, but I think for, that was really amazing to me that, that a man who I thought would be quite set in his ways was so willing to be open-minded, to do visualizations, to change his diet completely and look at that 360 approach. We're talking about breast cancer has no gender with a panel who are actually going to be having an event this upcoming weekend organized by Irina Sharma from Live Well and Wellevate. And we're also joined now by Dr. Stossier, the founder of Eve Meyer and Modern Meyer Medicine and delighted to welcome to our studio here at the Five Star Hotel, Max Farden. He had breast cancer in his early 20s and is now working tirelessly as a breast cancer advocate. All about that early detection. We've also been hearing from you um, on 4001 on the ARN Play app and on the phone line as well. 04871 if you've got any questions when it comes to this topic of breast cancer. Now, I wanted to come back to you, Dr. Harold Stossier, because... That idea of prevention being a bit of a buzzword right now. And I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, that's nice, but I'm very busy right now. I'm just trying to survive, you know, work and family and earning and, you know, trying to do some exercise here and there and, you know, making sure the fridge isn't empty and all, all of that. But the importance of prevention is really, really crucial. When it comes to cancer in particular, and we're talking breast cancer today, of course, what are some very actionable things that people listening to today can really arm themselves with and, and integrate into their lives? 
that's right. And uh, we have a saying in the first uh, half of uh, the life you spend a lot of time to earn money. In the second half, you spend a lot of money to earn it in your health. Mm -hmm. But I think the other way around would be much better to start as soon as possible. A healthy lifestyle includes, let's say, a healthy eating habit, includes written, includes enough time to rest and regenerate, but also to check yourself. Uh, everybody has enough possibilities in the meanwhile to go to the doctor and to do some health checks but especially when we are talking about breast cancer the most important is touch yourself mm -hmm. examine your breast uh, because you will feel in the first time maybe a little bit of a lump a little change in your breast that's the same for male and females if you're a couple you can help yourself uh, each other and uh, <laughs> it could be also a very interesting part of but touch yourself that's the most important to see in the very early stage if there's something wrong and then be brave enough and go to the doctor and do all the examinations necessary if you are in a family with breast cancer there are some examinations very simple ones you can check in the urine the metabolization of different hormones which give you an idea if you get the risk to get cancer or not if you're prone to have a cancer or not so that applies to females and males in the same way because we have the same hormones mm -hmm. and of course if you are in a family with breast cancer there are also in the meanwhile genetic tests available where you can see the risk to get it that doesn't say you get it but you have a risk and if you have a risk in your family then please change your lifestyle as early as possible because that's the most important to protect yourself i think there's a real kind of balance to be tread between being aware and empowering yourself to make changes to do actionable things whether it's you know, diets or therapies rest and living in fear because i think for an awful lot of people that think of you know i've got a family history this is this is overshadowing every aspect of my life and i mean you had your diagnosis seven years ago yeah. how did you discover that you had breast but, cancer but oh, sorry sorry sorry, sorry to interrupt you but if you live in fear that's the best to make the cancer exactly. growing it becomes the a, a breeding is, ground for the illness. fear is always a blockage of a healthy lifestyle and especially late on of mm -hmm. the therapy and uh, please don't trust any of the doctors if you get the diagnosis you have to live let's say a year or two years or five years six years we are not god we have no influence on it you have your influence mm -hmm. on how long you live and how you live I think exactly right and it's about being armed with information but yes taking control of what you can control which sounds like exactly what you did Irene can you tell us a little bit Absolutely. more? Absolutely um, you know Helen we're talking about fear here you're talking about the three words you're asking everyone the listeners let's talk about the first three alphabets of cancer can c-a-n so where's the problem that's how I look at it so if we could just concentrate on the first three letters uh, there is no fear factor. It's all about a, just finding a solution and a decision. I think when we uh, vary off and we get into that mode of worry all mm -hmm. the time, it, it feeds fear, it feeds everything which should not be there. So um, for me, it was never about the cancer. It's how did I lead my life before cancer? 
right? So if a person is a person who always panics and everything they look at becomes bigger than life for them, any problem, they are going to be the same way even after cancer is being diagnosed. So seven years ago, I was gone, uh, I was running, I got chest pain and I never get a chest pain. I touched myself and I felt something. And every time I pressed that area, there was a bitterness in my tongue. So it was as if some toxic thing just kept, every time I pressed it, toxin came out and I knew something was wrong. So it was a very self-diagnosed thing. I've been doing the breast cancer campaign for 25 years. I called Dr. Horia Kazim and she calls me the voodoo witch <laughs> girl, right? So she said, you and your voodoo-ness, I'm sure you're right. And there was, it was a no-brainer, fly to Austria. There Ooh, it Harold. is, Dr. Stasier. Um, he closed my file, I remember, the only doctor on this planet who probably would do that and said, what do you want? That made the difference, Helen. A doctor asking me what I want, not telling me what I have to do and what I must do. So those crazy stories we always hear, you know, where a person's diagnosed and then they have a have to plan for them. In three days, you have to have this. In six days, you have to. Obviously, it panics the person because they're still trying to absorb you know, that they have been hit by cancer. I'm not saying it was easy on me, no. but you breathe. You know, we talk about prevention. How many of us ask ourselves every day, are we breathing right? Nobody does that. So when we're not breathing, which is the most critical thing, how are we going to live any life or any healthy life? So breathing, sleeping, the habits every single day, those are preventive measures that have always been there for me. So when cancer came, it was easy. My body was strong, I've invested in my life, on my, you know, uh, on myself, and it just went smooth sailing. And I wanted nature to fix me. Max, can I ask you, yeah. how, what are you doing now in your life to stay healthy? Um, and would you do anything differently looking back at that diagnosis in your 20s? Okay, first thing is, I said what I want. Exactly, Doc it's not doctor. I said it to myself because uh, one day when I, when I came back after work, um, I have to go to treatments. After treatments, I did it wrong treatments, three treatments on the same time. So after when I came back home, three days, I can't even uh, hold uh, bottle i can't even so do anything i just lying down as like a, that person three days and i understand if i want to help my family if i want to do something i need to take care of myself other than me nobody can do anything so after that i started going to gym uh first thing is i start laughing enjoying and I said, like, come on, I need to, I need to my words. My words is enjoy every moment of your life because we don't know how much we have this kind of beautiful moments. Because every breathing, every step, your hand is moving. Your, your eye can see, you can speak, you can hear, you can walk. Just enjoy whatever you have right now. That's it. You will gonna understand. You will gonna, you will gonna heal yourself even. So. I started this kind of things. I started going to gym, and of course, treatments also same time. I don't know why, but I felt like I'm living. I mean, even my doctor, you're living. Uh, what you, what you are feeling right now? I feel pain, and I, I'm thinking, what what are you thinking about? When I'm gonna die? 
I said, you are dying right now? No. Go. Go and leave. Nobody's saying go and die. And that's why when doctor, uh, doctor and uh, Irma, when they're asking me to join them, join them and say something together, I said like, yes, of course I will, because people need to understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really, really thrilled, Max, you can be with us this afternoon. And I'm, I'm thank you again for all of the messages we've had on the text line. Sandra's saying, we can do um, breast cancer awareness. Um, thank you for this. Great to hear this from Max. So many people getting in touch on 4001 on the ARN play app and on the phone line as well. Um, we did hear earlier um, from another breast cancer survivor. Hi Helen Palmer, my name is Premi Matthew and I'm a breast cancer survivor. I'm a stage 2 breast cancer survivor. Uh, I've been alive for 11 years after breast cancer and my message to all is it's nice to see Dubai going pink but it's equally important to make sure that everyone does a self-exam to check for the early signs of breast cancer. In my case, it is a tiny painless stone and it's imperative to find it early on your own at home. So please Google and go to YouTube and search how to do a breast self-exam and please do it right now. Premi, thank you so much and wonderful to hear you in such great spirits. Masha's here saying pink ain't enough. Well, our panel would agree with that. They believe that breast cancer has no gender and quite rightly so, um, as we've spoken to not one but two men in the last uh, 48 hours who have had a breast cancer diagnosis. Um, so tell us a little bit about this event over the weekend for people who want to meet you, pick Dr. Harris-Dossier's brains, be inspired by you as well. So I partnered with Nikhil a few months ago and uh, we launched something called Live Well with Nikhil. Every month we do a community well-being talk in many events. This coming Saturday on 29th of October, we're talking good health and breast cancer has no gender. It starts, it kicks off with the 30-30 challenge where we're doing yoga for an hour from 7.30 to 8.30. After that, some great wellness breakfast. And then it's a beautiful couple of hours of talk and a very interactive conversation with the audience. Uh, generally about good health and breast cancer and um, it's it's about the community coming together uh, Helen you know and us bringing uh, more and more education onto the table um, we are talking the color blue not pink uh, on 29 so wear that blue color let's enjoy the blues you know and of course welcome to wear any color it's at Myra restaurant at the palm I had a great dinner there a Absolutely. few weeks ago so the green <laughs> style. It's gorgeous. And yes, and we'll learn why no raw food after four. We'll learn about how running can decrease your immunity as a cancer patient. You talk about prevention and you talk about the protocol I followed. Dr. Stossier didn't tell me stop the white sugar because white sugar is the enemy. He said enjoy the cake, chew it, that's all. But he said could you quit running? Dr. Stossier, a few words on that. Why was I asked to quit running? Yeah, then the audience has to know that you are a crazy girl. <laughs> you want to run, I don't know how many marathons. And for a cancer patient during the therapy, that's absolutely nonsense. Um, <laughs> you need to rest. Uh, you need to give the body the possibility to eliminate all the toxins, which we also place because of the, the therapy. We kill cancer cells and all these toxins, they have to be eliminated and uh, you can't do that uh, during a marathon. Because during the marathon, um, why would you do a, 
a marathon where the first who did it died because of that. And that so, was Mr. Marathon, he's right. Uh, <laughs> so this is, uh, during the therapy, it's absolutely nonsense to increase the activity. You should rest, you should give your body the possibility to eliminate. After that, you can train yourself, but in a, I would say, moderate way and not for a marathon or a triathlon. So, so, some yoga on the beach then? Absolutely, That's yoga the, on the beach. Well, you are yeah. invited. Much, and lastly, for anyone better. that does want to sign up and meet the three of you, have some breakfast, have some yoga, and learn more about prevention. And, of course, some alternative and complementary therapies during um, traditional treatment as well. What's the best way of getting in touch? Uh, you can register on at Nakheel Communities on the Instagram, or you can go on to the website Live Well with Nakheel. Uh, everyone needs to register to attend, so it's mandatory. So it's 10 of you coming. All 10 need to register. And we really look forward to meeting everybody over there. Well, so. it's been a pleasure to meet the three of you this afternoon, thank all you. looking in such great health and full of inspiration. Max, Arena, Dr. Harold, thank you. Really do appreciate it. Thank and you. as they say, breast cancer has no gender. Um, and uh, I would urge you to check that out and find out a little bit more. And most important, just to echo Premi's message earlier, the importance of self-examination and early detection. It's Afternoons with me, Helen Farmer. This content is for informational purposes only and does not intend to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. From West Palm Beach, this is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at the brand new Hilton Palm Jumeirah, a five-star hotel with ten amazing dining concepts and the Euphoria Spa. We are talking health this afternoon and every time you eat, you you are feeding trillions of bacteria, viruses, fungi that live inside your gut. But are you feeding them the right foods? Now, scientists used to know very little about these communities of microbes that collectively make up your gut microbiota. And uh, it's all about your gut microbiome. So, but there is now a growing body of research that suggests these vast communities are actually a gateway to your health and your well-being. And that one of the simplest and most powerful ways to shape and nurture them is through your diet. We're even seeing in the news this week scientists exploring diseases such as Parkinson's and dementia with the hope they found an exciting link to the microbes already inside us. Joining us live is Tina Maher, certified gut health coach and the founder of Gut Academy. She spent years plagued with low energy, IBS, skin issues, brain fog before she realised it was all connected to one thing, her gut. She's also the podcast host at uh, The Awakened Woman. We're also joined by Miranda Cousy, a clinical nutritionist who specialises in functional lab testing. So we can talk supplementation, we can talk testing, we can talk anything that's on your brain or your gut issues. <laughs> Tia, lovely to have you with us. How are you? I'm good, Helen. Thank you so much for having me back. And Miranda's joining us on Teams. Hi, Miranda. Hi, both. Really happy to be here. Well, I hear we've we already, have loads to talk about. We've got lots to talk about. We're definitely going to run out of time. We're definitely run out of questions because we have had a number of text messages. And I don't find this surprising at all because I think an awful lot of people suffer in silence um, about the issues that they might be struggling with or, or just come to think that a lot of things are normal. You know, I, I kind of always make the parallel between gut health and eyesight that if it's, if it's good, you take it for granted and then you start to notice the things going wrong and go, oh, this, this isn't great. So Tira, you're super busy here in Dubai right now, people coming to you. What's, what are people coming to you with? Well, mostly people are coming to us with, you know, those classic conditions of IBS. They've just been given that very blanket statement of, oh, 
you just have to live with IBS for the rest of your life, right? And nobody ever wants to hear that. Mm -hmm. So most people come to us, they've got things like chronic bloating, um, you know, constipation, diarrhea, they may have low energy, brain fog, some skin conditions, stuff like that, and they just don't really realize why they're struggling so much. So when they find us, then we start to really kind of dig into the root cause, which is our specialty and understanding that from a gut microbiome level. Because presumably a lot of the symptoms, complaints you mentioned there, people might treat, but they might be treating with pain medication mm. or the wrong medication and not actually treating the root cause, which is needs to be established to, to get things sorted out from the outset. Now, I've used the phrase gut health a couple of times here in quite a kind of laissez-faire way. Um, Miranda, can I ask you, what do you believe the, the phrase gut health means to, to, to non-doctorly people? Could you explain it for us? <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, um, you know, we often think of health, right, as the absence of disease, but it's more than that. It's it's the optimal function of your body. And when we talk about gut health is, you know, optimal function of your of your gut, of your GI tract. So starting from, you know, the mouth, throat, stomach, intestines, um, all the way down. So we want these this huge and crucial organ system to be working optimally for you so then you can live your life uh, pain-free you know without any symptoms and so gut health is is that is making sure that you're digesting properly it's making sure that your intestinal walls are working as barriers you know protecting you from toxins and and other things that enter through the mouth making sure that you have enough friendly bugs in your you know intestines right and having that richness and diversity and balance so that's that's in a nutshell what gut health is for me at least and i think that's that raises a lot of interesting points about how it all comes together we're learning more and more about the link between mental health and gut health um and i think a lot of people are dare I say it, haven't talked about COVID for a while, but kind of during the pandemic took a bit of a pause and thought, you know what, I've actually got time to think about my health a bit more. I want to make some serious changes in work, relationships and my body as well. So as I said, a number of messages coming in for you guys. Bilal asking Tia, is fasting good for gut health? Great question. So I think it depends on whether you're male or female with this. You know, I think for a lot of women, it can actually be quite detrimental to our hormones because we really need to make sure that every you know four to six hours we're eating so that we're keeping our hormones happy and our blood sugar stabilized intermittent fasting works for a lot of people but it doesn't for others so i think it's a case of trying it out seeing how your body reacts but i always suggest to our clients who are you know 90 percent women get your meals in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll, t I'll, t I'll take any kind of advice that tells me to get my meals in. Joining us live today, we are talking gut health with the team from the Gut Academy. If you've got any questions, and you can be anonymous if you prefer, I know we're talking about some health issues. You might prefer to be personal and private. That's absolutely fine. Just say no name, make up a name, make up a whole identity. We don't mind. We are here at the gorgeous new Hilton on the Palm. I'm Helen Farmer, listening to Dubai I 103.8, and we are talking gut health this afternoon because Tina Mar is with us, a certified gut health coach, the founder of the Gut Academy and also joined by Miranda Cusi, who's a clinical nutritionist who specializes in functional lab testing, which is particularly useful given the questions we've had in today. If you do want to join the conversation of any questions for our experts, 4001 is your SMS. You've got your ARN Play app. And Miranda, I wanted to ask you about tests because I've heard from many a doctor here that some of them are, well, 
snake oil, pointless, a waste of money. Um, and I wondered when it comes to actually establishing what kind of be it intolerances or imbalances you might have, is there a gold standard? And what do you tend to recommend if someone does want to get to the bottom of their gut health issues? Yeah, great question. I am sure we can spend hours talking about <laughs> this, but I'll, I'll keep it short. So um, testing specifically for gut health, um, we would do a stool test. Now there are many different types of tests. There are, you know, tests directly available over the internet which you know we were not so sure about their quality and procedures and so on then of course there are tests that your uh, doctor can order from a lab um, and then there are functional medicine tests which are one of the most advanced and in-depth analysis of stool they use advanced technology such as dna sequencing of bacteria and they test for many, many. You get several pages of reports. It's, I, I think it's over something like 40 types of bacteria, but also looking at viruses, parasites, worms, fungi, yeast. Um, so it's really, really in-depth because, we, you know, we have a microorganism. There are trillions of microbes, not just bacteria, living in our gut. Um, and so using the latest science and research, there are a couple of very advanced laboratories that specialize in this kind of uh, stool, stool testing. And something I want to touch upon is that, yes, all tests, whether it's blood or stool or saliva, show you results just in one point of time. Um, so can things change? Yes. Luckily, we are humans. We adapt. We can uh, improve our health. So they are valid. And sometimes they just need to be repeat, repeated to track your, your progress. We have had a number of messages for you guys this afternoon. We're going to have a bit of a quick fire round, if that's okay, Miranda. Tia, I'm going to ask you this from Peter that's come in on the text line saying, what can you do to overcome lactose and gluten intolerance? I'm asking you in particular, Tia, because this is something you experienced in a, in a previous life. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, when you know we're talking about the labs, we ran the labs for me and I found that I had an overgrowth of yeast um, bacteria, which is called um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. I also had a leaky gut and I had parasites and that was what was actually causing the food sensitivities so sometimes yes people have food sen sensitivities but other times it's the gut environment that is actually compromised and when we really dig into that and we rebuild the gut and we retrain the gut to handle certain foods then you can reintroduce. So it's more about I guess your gut being reactive to certain things because Correct. of the environment rather than a, an innate sensitivity when you talk about rebuilding the gut how <laughs> you make it sound so simple well it doesn't have to be rocket science you know when we're rebuilding the gut we're talking about the the gut lining here in particular which um you know the breakdown of the gut lining is what we call a leaky gut and this is when you know um toxins can literally seep from the gut into the bloodstream. And this is when we get this big inflammatory response, right? Mm -hmm. So what we really wanna do is reseal that gut lining. And by doing that, we can um, have things like bone broth, which is incredible because it actually repairs that gut lining as well. And also including pre-probiotic foods, stuff like that, like really trying to rebuild, you know, that organism. Those, all of those amazing microorganisms that are inside us and how we can do that. So it's a step-by-step -step process. It is, it is possible. <laughs> it's so possible. Okay. I did it. <laughs> and a question here saying, is it worth taking the probiotic drinks like Actimel that you find in the supermarkets? Are there any benefits? Oh. 
stay away. Okay. But if we are talking probiotics, there are, there are things you can do. I mean, we've actually had a message on this topic as well from mm. Gillian saying, I've read that taking the wrong probiotics or not supporting them with diet is a massive waste of money. Is that true? Probiotics products are a funny one because... You know, sometimes it's really good to have them in our food. You know, we want to bring in things like sauerkraut, kimchi, kombucha, kefir, stuff like that. That's actually going to populate the gut. The problem is, is we need to also have prebiotics, which actually help the good um, bacteria to flourish mm -hmm. in the gut. So sometimes, yes, if we're sending in these probiotics, but we're not actually feeding them, then they're just going to the be like, oh, we're just well, hanging out here. Yeah, exactly. It's going to cost you 800 dirhams to hang out for a while. <laughs> exactly. And also a lot of them actually that are over the counter don't make it into the GI tract. So they're killed off by the stomach acid. So it's really important to purchase like a spore-based probiotic. So that actually makes it further into the GI tract and repopulates that gut flora. A really interesting message on the text line saying, how does menopause affect our gut? Um, especially if we already had stomach problems. We've been talking a lot about menopause and it, its effect on, I mean, brain fog something mm. you experience not not related to your age in any way but we we know that it's it's far-reaching have you got any clients at, uh, at that stage and age not right now but that might be a good question for Miranda she might be able to throw in there Miranda is this something you've you've kind of worked with clients on or anything that's come back from lab results of uh, women of menopause or perimenopause yeah I think it just links back uh, to the aging in general so both in men and women uh, as we age our microbiome diversity and richness tends to decrease and so this is where we need to lean even more on uh, prebiotic foods as Tia mentioned and probiotics and good quality probiotic products as well as probiotic foods to support that diversity and and, and richness and those that tend to live the longest actually have the biggest uh, diversity and richness in their gut so Really, really key. Um, a quick question I'm going to squeeze in. This is from Sadia saying, my six-year-old has got a very furry white tongue. Should he scrape it? Do we need to worry? Tia, what's your first reaction on that? Yeah, so that is definitely an indication that there's something going on in the body. Um, usually a furry white tongue can be an overgrowth of yeast. One thing that you can do is, I love a good tongue scraper, a copper tongue scraper, and they're actually really cheap to get. So you can have a look online and grab one of them or dig deeper because ultimately these are all signs that the body is screaming out for help. I'm going to pick your brains one last time, Miranda, I'm springing this on you, but if you could have everybody listening today change something, eat something, incorporate something, and this could be one of your favorite recipes, something you'd like people to eliminate to boost their gut health, what would you recommend? Oh, veggies, 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 veggies. Eat the rainbow, loads of colorful things, eat with the seasons, have them roasted, steamed, cooked, whichever way, but adding color to your plate is, is key. I can see Tia's nodding <laughs> along in agreement. What about you, Tia? Um, yeah, I would say exactly the same. And also, yeah, diversify, constantly diversify. We don't do that enough. We tend to... Get stuck in a foodie rut. We do. And, 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 you know, especially, you know, I'm Irish. It's a meat and two veg kind of thing. And it's the same sort of thing every week. But when we diversify and we bring in all the colours, then the gut bugs actually love that. And that's how they thrive. 
what we want to do. Feed the good, feed the good ones. Miranda, Tia, thank you so, so much. Um, if anyone does want to find out more about you guys and what you're doing at the Gut Academy, what's the best way of getting in touch? You can connect with me on Instagram. It's Tia underscore Gut Coach or on my um, website, which is Tia Mar, T-I-A-M-A-H-E-R.com. And if you want those details, drop me a little message on 4001. I'd be very happy to send over the link. From West Palm Beach. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live at the brand new Hilton Palm Jumeirah, a five-star hotel with 10 amazing dining concepts and the Euphoria Spa. You're listening to Dubai Eye 103.8. We're broadcasting live from Hilton Dubai Jumeirah Palm and uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. But right now talking health, it is a crazy time of year right now with cultural celebrations, workload, family life and it sounds like those viruses are having a busy time as well. It is flu season and after hearing about whole families and school classes coming down with it, we're speaking now to consultant paediatrician Dr. Rania from Circle Care Clinic to get the latest. If you want to share any questions or concerns, please don't hesitate to reach out on the usual channels here at Dubai Eye. Dr. Rania, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Helen? I'm good. I thankfully haven't got the flu because from what I'm hearing... (laughs) It's an absolute shocker right now. And I was in the pharmacy yesterday, actually, and the lady next to me was buying, I say, a stack of cold and flu medication. And the pharmacist, mm-hmm. she was like, is everything okay at home? Do you need anything for immunity? And she's like, We're, we are all just absolutely wiped out. So what's coming into clinic? Everything. Everything for me. So influenza is one of the ones that's a big, big one this year. We've, I think we've all forgotten about it in the last two years because of COVID and all the restrictions. Um, so with COVID numbers being down, all the other viruses are out to play and influenza specifically, which we know uh, we're diagnosing on rapid tests in the clinic. It's just, it is just a virus, but it is the heaviest of colds. If, if you've had, if you have, that is the flu. If you've had the flu, you know what I'm talking about. It's like oh, being hit yeah. by a virus. My, you know, my dad's test was, you know, is it a cold or is it a flu? And it was, you know, if you're in bed and someone put a £20 note on the floor, if you've got the strength to leave your bed and pick it up, it's a cold. <laughs> if you look at that note and go, no, nah, I can't be bothered, it's probably flu. Um, so, there you go. <laughs> and, and I've had a number of people message me going, um, husband has the flu, says it's worse than COVID, kids are completely wiped out. So we say flu in quite an easy, relaxed mm-hmm. way, but actually influenza proper is horrendous are there different types of flu dr rania that you identify and and how do you identify them yeah so the so we we identify we can break it down to just the two broad types which are influenza a and influenza b and that's because the rapid tests we have um uh, are able are able to do that uh whereby we know one of them has slightly different symptoms it can be more like a cold that's influenza a heavier cold more of a headache and influenza b tends to cause more gastric symptoms like a stomach virus um but but of course that's not set in stone but we tend to see those um those differences um, but further than that, you would need slightly more um, uh, sort of advanced uh, lab uh, recognition to know which type of influenza, you know. And then this is where we push the flu vaccine. So you just see from all sorts of medical facilities, you know, all the, uh, uh, you know, all the sort of messages going out about how important it is to protect ourselves, especially those in the vulnerable group. And the flu vaccine around does cover against the four most common strains. 
um, you know, of, of both A and B, um, and hopefully protects protects people mainly from the propagation. The issue with the flu is even if you are fairly fit and well and healthy and can take it and fight it off, it's the fact that it's so contagious and you can pass mm-hmm. it on to every single member of the family, and it's this horrible domino effect. You know, where where you know it, it sounds like COVID. It's nothing. COVID is 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 so much milder for the majority of people nowadays than wow. the flu. Is. Well, Irfan's saying my friends, adults and three kids have just had flu in bed for a week and said it was much worse than COVID. Um, and no name message here, um, Dr. Ryan is saying, does taking Tamiflu help and is it in stock? What exactly is Tamiflu and, and what can it be helpful so, for? So Tamiflu is the um, trade name of Oseltamivir, which is an antiviral. So like we would fight uh, bacterial infections with an antibiotic, there are antivirals. We learned about them in in COVID because they were, you have to make them specifically against a virus. So um, Oseltamivir is specific to the influenza virus. It is useful provided it's taken within the right time frame. So it is the most effective if taken in the first 48 hours of symptom starting. And beyond that, it isn't as effective. So you'll find that many people who wait before they go to the doctor or before they seek a diagnosis tend to miss the opportunity of taking Tamiflu. Mm -hmm. It does work. It does work. And mainly, it shortens the duration of the illness and stops you being contagious for the seven to 10 days you could be contagious for if you've been taking. Long time. So is it worth having someone... Yeah, is it worth then, you know, having some in the cupboard just in case? The thing is, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to say no because it is a medication. It is a prescription medication, and I ah, would really, okay. we would really want to diagnose influenza because there's, it won't help you with other viruses. So what's the point of taking a medicine that that you don't necessarily need? Especially because some medicines do have side effects. Some people who do take Tamiflu do report some abdominal pain, you know, some nausea. The advantages far outweigh the risks of taking it, but why take it if it's not going to be helpful? Bob saying man flu is the deadliest. Ask any guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Even in in little boys, by the way. Even in little boys. (laughs) That's that's too funny. And in terms of flu vaccine, obviously we are encouraging people to go along and get that. Um, Are you able to outline how that works in terms of having it for the first time or if you're having an annual booster as such, Dr. Rania? Yes, yes. So for anyone under, so the flu vaccine can be given from the age of six months old. And for any child under the age of nine, if it is their first time taking the flu vaccine, because their immune system is is, is sort of completely new to this, they will need the two doses, um, which are usually spaced at one month apart to get the adequate immunity and protection. But from then on, anyone um, who has already had two doses if they're under nine or anyone who's over nine years old and getting it for the first time only needs a single dose, even if they have skipped a year in the past. So some people said, oh, my child had it twice, three years ago and hasn't had it since. Do we need a new? No, you can just take your single dose from now on. Okay, that's exactly what I was going to ask you because that's exactly the situation we're in. Um, Message here saying, do do you get permanent protection after being infected with influenza A? No, unfortunately not, which is why there is a yearly flu vaccine. Mm. Influenza is a type of virus that doesn't give you lifelong protection, similar to COVID, for instance, whereas measles, let's say, if you were to catch that, or chickenpox, you get your lifelong protection and you don't catch it again. So some viruses won't give you immunity lasting long. So whether you catch influenza or you get the vaccine, you do need to boost your immunity or you will lose that immunity, you know, during that season, by the end of the season. 
And is it true that there's almost a new flu vaccine every year because of how that flu virus changes over the course of a year? Yes, yes. So what they do is over the summer months, they study um, the, the, the sort of the pattern of the viruses. When you live in the northern hemisphere like us, you see what happens in the southern hemisphere because our summer is their winter. And that's quite telling. And then they make the flu vaccines and they change the number of strains they protect against based on the ones that are, are the most common. Um, but the, most of the time, two or three of the strains within the vaccine do remain the same because they happen to be the most common anyway. You see. Dr. Rania, thank you so much. Um, as I said, I know an awful lot of people suffering and struggling right now. Um, and in terms of last bit of advice for treating the flu at home, um, how can we help men and women alike drag themselves out of that misery? <laughs> so whether it's the flu or all the other viruses going around, um, it's, uh, viruses are viruses and our bodies are equipped to fight them off. So you manage the symptoms. So we call it symptomatic treatment. Manage the fever well, keep well hydrated listen to your body if you're tired and you can't you have to stay in bed and not pick up the 20 pound note that's what you have to do um, you know and then lots of healthy food and and just give it time be kind to yourself and if you're able, if you do suspect it's the flu and the symptoms are different there's lots in the way of body aches and headaches go see your doctor sooner rather than later because there is a medication to treat it and hopefully get you better much quicker Dr. Rania, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Dr. Rania speaking to us, consultant paediatrician on Dubai I-103.8. From West Palm Beach. This is Afternoons with Helen Farmer on Dubai I-103.8. Live at the brand new Hilton Palm Jumeirah, a five-star hotel with 10 amazing dining concepts and the Euphoria Spa. And what a studio we have today. I want to say a huge thank you to Lucy Henderson, who has been... By our side um, throughout the afternoon, she's the cluster sales director here at the hotel. First of all, I want to say thank you, but also congratulations on the hotel opening. How long has it been now? Thank you. Yeah, it's been um, a really successful couple of weeks. We've been open for eight weeks um, to date and um, looking at really positioning ourselves as a vibrant social beach destination. Well, there's a great atmosphere here and the location is phenomenal. I mean, looking out to my right, you've got the pool, beyond the pool, you've got the sea, beyond the sea, you've got Ain Dubai and literally just a few metres from the hotel you've got West Beach as well for anyone who's not familiar with West Beach what's it all about there yeah I believe you've come down a little bit um, we have walked the dogs there and had a nice breakfast at Jones exactly so we have Jones Grocer down on the beach which is um, also pet friendly Um, and basically um, Palm West Beach kind of gives you the best of a bit of both worlds where you have the vibrant JBR stretch where it's always kind of bustling really busy and then your um, very private settings in terms of Crescent Hotel hotels but on West Beach you've got 1.6 kilometer promenade and an array of different restaurants that you can walk across and then the hotel itself is situated with a private beach location as well. You've done well on the location you really really have but also inside as we just heard 10 restaurants and really kind of spanning the full gamut you know when I kind of start looking at hotels to book I'm like okay I want to know a couple of key things I want to know rooms and we're going to talk a little bit about that I want to know kids club. (laughs) I want to know food because sometimes if you're staying at a a property for more than a couple of days, you start to run out of options and then you start looking at, well, what's outside the hotel? You know, are we going to have to venture out? Are we going to add to the bill, et cetera, et cetera. But with 10 under one roof, can you give us a little flavor of what's on offer here? Um, Yeah, where to start? Um, So we have, as you said, 10 restaurants across the hotel. Um, And if you are staying with us, 
um, you'd be able to kind of dine around across all of those venues. Um, so you've got um, Mosin, which is our all-day dining that runs our buffets, um, and that's got a theme of four seasons. Um, then you'll have Jones Gross on the beach, which is our Australian gourmet, and that's open all day. Um, Trade of Vix in the Tahitian village um, is our tropical sophistication tiki cocktail bar um, and comes with live Latino bands. Um, then we go to Claw Barbecue. Oh, I had my hen party at Claw. <laughs> <laughs> Did stories that mechanical bull can tell. Uh, <laughs> it's a fun place. We have a mechanical bull. Oh, um, no. <laughs> and Watch this face come five past five. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Claw Barbecue also has um, a couple of different arcade games in there. So it really does tailor to... Um, families of ch with children with, of all ages, um, the and big kids too, and big kids too. Exactly. One that really caught my eye, actually, Lucy, as we were pulling up, was um, the factory bar and grill because it's by Magetigans. I'm not familiar with this concept. Is this a new thing for Dubai? Yes, so um, Factory by McGettigan's launched a, a new concept, as, as you mentioned, it's a bar and kitchen. Um, it's a very funky underground industrial style restaurant um, that's mostly indoors, um, but it's essentially your new local pub on the palm. Um, it comes with a full range of ladies' nights, um, Sunday uh, roasts, brunch options. Massive um, screens. Lots of TV screens and we'll be showing uh, the most anticipated um, football tournament later on uh, in the year as well. So that is Factory, as you said, by McGettigan's. Um, let's, let's talk rooms because we know in terms of demographic, people coming into Dubai, especially from the GCC, um, whether it's groups traveling together or larger families, what kind of provisions are put in place there for looking after these groups? So we have over 600 keys in the hotel. Whoa. Um, and those rooms range anywhere from a 40 square meter all the way up to over 500. Um, so we have uh, presidential and imperial um, ter uh, suites that have terraces larger on the outside than they are on the inside. Oh my goodness. Um, with their own kind of private jacuzzis and saunas in the rooms as well. Why are we doing the show from the, from the terrace with the jacuzzi, Lucy? <laughs> you have to come stay, Helen. <laughs> I think I'd be put there, unfortunately. <laughs> and into connecting rooms, because I'm now at an age with the kids where we can't do, obviously, the cot and the out, and we are getting into two-room territory. Is that possible? Yes, and it's something that we'll guarantee at the time of booking as well. Oh, wow. So 80% of our rooms interconnect, um, and they are traditionally always a king to a twin. Um, so at the time of booking, we'd be able to, to guarantee that interconnecting for the family. So, well, I have to say, it's, it's, nice to ha it's nice to have you in the hood. And there's lots to look forward to as well. You've got Barfly by Buddha Bar opening um, next month as well. Yes. As you said, FIFA World Cup coming up. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun, busy season. Open just in time for, for the peak uh, of Dubai. And um, we're really looking forward to, to the end of the year and um, all the different kind of events that we'll be able to be able to host on property as well. Well again, thank you for having us this afternoon. It's been absolutely lovely. On a private note, the carrot cake is absolutely spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you. Really do appreciate it. Lucy Henderson speaking to us from our studio of the afternoon, the Dubai um, newest 
vibrant five-star hotel on the Palm. It is the Hilton Dubai Palm Jumeirah. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.